God's uh, blessing on this time. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you would uh, provide people and speak to our heart. Give us opportunities to share our story, the work that you're doing in our life. And may we leave this place motivated by your love to take this message of reconciliation. God, we understand that you are holy and you can't allow sin into heaven, but you are a God of love. And you did everything necessary to bring us back to yourself. Lord, I pray that people in this room would be reconciled today, and I pray that those that have come back to you would go into their community and bring others to you. Lord, we go on your behalf. We're your body. And I pray that you'd send us out, give us boldness, give us the words to say, to the... Uh, at times to be able to share it. Lord, in our busyness, may we remember that every person will spend eternity somewhere. And Lord, I ask that you'd guide me as I speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard a story years ago that uh, after World War II, there was an individual that put a play together, and that play was dealing with the question, why did those terrible events of World War II take place? Who was at fault? And so this man put this play together, and there was a lot of shock. There were people who said, well, it was the Jews that were the problem. And others said, no, it was the Nazis that were the problem. And others said, no, it was the countries that did nothing for so many years that were the problem. And they, they went around arguing who was at fault and ultimately someone said I think God is at fault God could have stopped it but he didn't and people were looking around like what kind of person is this but eventually everybody got on board and they were angry at God because God allowed those terrible events where millions of people died where uh, there were soldiers that went and fought and gave their life and said ultimately it was God that was at fault and God shows up on the scene and they take him and beat him and ultimately crucify him now that's just a simple play, but the reality is that's what God did on our behalf. He sent his son down, God in the flesh, died that you and I could have eternal life. See, there's no church, there's no pastor, there's no religious leader, there's no certain rules or commands that can get us to heaven. That's why Jesus died. To reconcile means to bring back an enemy and offer peace. Jesus, who was God, was able to take the hand of God, and he was fully man, and he took the hand of man, and he desires to bring us back into himself. He's the only one that can do that. Last week, we talked about what the gospel was, that all of us are sinners, and because of that sin, we deserve to be separated from God, but also, whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. That's God's plan, Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. Whoever. The question is, have you called on Jesus' name? Not just praying that now I lay me down to sleep or God bless our meal, but has there been that point in your life that you called upon Jesus as the Lord of your salvation, the only one that can get you to heaven, that you come as a sinner and accept the forgiveness of sins. Has there been that point that you called on his name? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Whoever calls will be saved. The word saved just means to be delivered, to be delivered from hell so we can spend eternity in heaven. And the reality is all of us have a story. Some people were saved out of a life maybe of, uh, of uh, events that you're very ashamed of. Other people were brought up in church and heard the gospel message at an early age and asked Jesus to forgive their sins and never entered into a wicked lifestyle. But we all have a story. We all have this unique uh, experience that God has done in our lives if you know Jesus is Savior. When you think, well, I don't have a story and I don't really know of a time, if you don't know of that point that you called on his name, then get it settled in your life. I was six years old when I went forward in church and asked Jesus to be my Savior. But as I got older, I was like, boy, I don't really remember what I said. I don't really have a good recollection of that. And so as a teenager, I made sure of my salvation. I asked Christ to be my Savior just so I would know, so I wouldn't have any doubts about it. I didn't want to hope I was going to heaven, wish I was going to heaven, but I wanted to know that I was going to heaven. And that's my story. And hopefully today you have a story as well. You see, there's a mission team that's going to Romania this summer. And they're going to go and they're going to tell the story. But let me say this, if you're going uh, and you're part of the, the mission team, don't wait till you get to Romania to tell your story. Start telling your story right now, right? I mean, we don't become a missionary once we get to a foreign field. God wants us to be a missionary while we're here. He wants us to take that message to the people around us. It's not just a little period of time that we take out and we say, okay, now we're on the mission field. Now we're going to share our faith. No, that's something that God wants us to do every opportunity that we have. In 2016, we did a, a series called This Is My Story and I'm Sticking to It. And we asked people to share their stories before I preached a message. And this summer, we're going to do something very similar. We're asking... 13 different people to share their testimony throughout the summer, and we're calling it this. This is my story, and I'm going to tell it. That's the idea of choice leaving the building. We all have a story that God wants us to take. All of us are ambassadors. We're representing him, and we go in Christ's stead. We go on his behalf. We take that message to the people around us, this unique, beautiful, important testimony that God has given to every one of us. This is your story. Now, we know testimonies are important. Most commercials we watch on TV don't tell us a whole lot about the product. They just tell us who uses that product. Now, I wrote a couple down. Hopefully, you can uh, think of uh, some as well. But Pete Rose did a commercial for Blue Emu. And he said, you know, I use this product. 
And if you use this product, you'll have good success as well. They didn't tell a whole lot about the product. You just say, hey, Pete Rose, he's a guy I trust, unless it comes to gambling for sports or something like that maybe. But uh, anyway, got off track. Marie Osmond. Marie Osmond said, I use Nutrisystem, and I lost weight. And if you use Nutrisystem, you're going to lose weight. Just eat the food, and you're going to lose weight, right? That's a testimony. William Devane, anyone know what his commercial is? Hi, I'm William Devane, and I use Roslyn to buy my silver, right? Now, I don't even know who William Devane is, but man, that guy speaks with authority. I better go buy silver because, you know, William Devane does that. You see somebody with acne, and they say, I use proactive, and if you use that, you're not going to have pimples anymore. Or Mike Lindell, do you know Mike Lindell? Hi, I'm Mike Lindell, and I created my pillow, right? And you see these testimony. Anybody, anybody else have one, a commercial that you think of, a famous person? My pillow? Oh, you got your pillow. All right, Roger, good to see you. Six million dollar man here. We got, we got a lot of these reconstructed people here on the scene. We can rebuild him, and that's awesome. I heard it, saw him coming down the aisle, wah, 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 wah. Okay, if you're old, you're young, you don't, don't get that. But anyway, so what's, a, what's a, a commercial if somebody has a testimony? Old Spice. Old Spice? Who does that? Terry Bradshaw does Old Spice? Okay, all right, great. And you using it today? All right, never mind, it's okay. All right, somebody else. Papa John's, all right. The Papa's in the house, right? Better ingredients, better pizza. I'm getting hungry already, so good. <laughs> so, something else. Subway. Okay, I mean, let's not talk about Jerry, okay, really? <laughs> let's skip this. This really didn't go too well, I appreciate But the reality is people's testimony is what causes, you know, commercials. And you look at that person, man, I'm going to trust that person. And if they use it, then I'm going to use it. They don't go and break the product down. And the reality is you say, I would love to share my faith, but I don't know everything about the Bible. Well, the reality is they don't either. And, no, and neither do I. Nobody does. But you have your story. And you don't have to know everything about the Bible. See, as a six-year-old, I knew John 3.16, that God loved the world and God loved me, and that if I believe on Jesus, he would save me. And I did the same thing when I was 14, when I made sure of my salvation. I think I even quoted John 3.16 to God, said, God, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe what you said in John 3.16, and I think I believed in you when I was six years old, but I don't know, and I'm going to make sure of that right now. Would you come into my life and save me? I didn't know a whole lot about the Bible. I knew some Bible stories, but I tell you one thing I knew when I was laying in my bedroom at 14 years old and I prayed and asked Jesus to save me that was my story that's my testimony and the reality is you have a story as well if you've asked Jesus to save you that's what testimony is all about and the reality is that Jesus loved telling stories Jesus was around people and one of the main things you see Jesus doing is him sharing stories. He cared for people. He spent time with people. And if you're in Luke 14, look at verse 1 here. 
Luke 14, 1. And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees, this was the religious leaders of the day, to eat bread on the Sabbath day, that they watched him. Now, we're going to look at Jesus spending time with other groups here, but I want you to see he cared about the religious groups as well. He spent time with them because they needed Jesus just as much as the sinners needed Jesus. And as we uh, see a little bit later in verse 25, so Luke 14, 25, and there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and he said to them, great multitudes. There were a lot of people that came around you. Why was that? Because he had a very accepting uh, countenance about him. He cared about people. He wanted to be around people. We see him caring for them. And then Luke 15 is where we're going to really take off today and look at a couple verses here. In Luke 15, 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Guess who came to Jesus? Not just the religious people, but the ones that drew near to him were the publicans. Those were the people that were rejected by the Jewish people. They had lined up with the Romans to collect taxes, and the Jews didn't like another government being over them. They felt like these publicans were traitors. They despised these individuals, and they actually took more money than they should have. <clears throat> do, you, do you like paying taxes? Would you like somebody coming and not just taking your taxes, but taking extra money? That's what the publicans were. They didn't like these guys at all. And sinners. I mean, the religious people couldn't stand these individuals as well. But guess who comes up to Jesus? It's these publicans and sinners. And notice verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and he eats with them. Now, how would you like to have that title as a sinner? See, that's what the Pharisees thought. Huh, those people are sinners. You know, they don't go to church like I do. They, they don't uh, act the way we do. They don't dress like we do. They, they are a little bit different. They're the sinners. And Jesus is not just talking to them, but he's sitting down and eating with these kind of people. And they began to murmur and complain. Jesus must not know what kind of people they are. Oh, can you believe Jesus is hanging around those individuals? It's interesting what happens in verse 3. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, and we're not really going to look at detail in the stories, but I hope you'll read them this afternoon. The first story is about a shepherd. He loses one of the sheep out of his hundred. And what does he do? He goes looking for it. He tells a story about a lady. She has ten coins. Apparently she uh, doesn't have a whole lot. Maybe she's a single mom and she just has ten coins and she loses one of her coins. And she starts looking for it. And then there's a father who has two sons and one of his children rebel and go out on their own. And we're familiar with the story of the prodigal son probably. And he waits for his son to return. The son returns eventually. He throws a big party for his son. Everybody's happy. Until the oldest brother comes on the scene. 
And he says, what's all this noise? Why are people having a party? What's going on? And one of the servants, so he didn't go talk to his, his dad. Isn't that interesting how what people do when they have a problem, they just talk to somebody on the fringe, you know, and just make the problem bigger a lot of times. He didn't deal with the issue, really. What's going on? Oh, your brother came back. My brother, who spent all of my dad's inheritance, and he gets a party, and I'm out working in the field, and I come out. He tells the story about these three different groups, a man in his work, and guys, we think a lot of our work, a woman in her beauty or her reputation, a parent in their child. All of these have incredible worth. The owner loved them, and they spent time looking and seeking. They went out of their way and sacrificed or waiting for the return, and they had incredible joy when what they lost had been found. We like to hear stories about animals, right? You know, if I watch a, a war movie and you see all these people getting blown up, no big deal. But if I see a Disney movie and a poor little dog, you know, is sick or dying, you know, that, that's just terrible, isn't it? It's hard to, ha- and, and, and God tells a story about an animal here. Here's a lady who's an underdog. She doesn't have a lot. And Jesus tells a story about some trials she went through. A story about children. We all love children, the innocence, the preciousness of children. And Jesus tells these stories. But ultimately, why did he tell these stories? Who was he really talking to? Remember in verse 2 it says, The Pharisees and scribes murmured. Then Jesus told these stories about the sheep that was lost. And the shepherd went to find him. The coin that was lost, and the lady went to find it. The son that was lost, and the father patiently waited for his return. And while in the context of thinking of how the Pharisees were judging Jesus and all the sinners and publicans that were around, he tells a story, and we think of the prodigal being a story about a young man that goes out and wastes his money. But the reality is, the story is just as much, or maybe more so, about the older brother who was self-righteous. He didn't really care if his brother came back. Notice what verse 28 says here. And he was angry. And would not go in, therefore came his father out and entreated him. So the brother's out there, I guess he's peeking through a window, seeing everybody having fun, and he's just boiling up inside. Why is everybody having fun? They never threw me a party. What is going on here? He's angry, verse 29, and he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid. You never even gave me a little goat, and you give the fatted calf to your son, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son, notice he didn't say my brother, he said he's your son. He didn't want to have anything to do with him. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. 
So he's on the outside. He had been on the inside all these years. His dad was brokenhearted. He's, oh, boy, I miss, miss my son here. Wish my son was here. And he said, but thank you, son. I'm glad you're here. You're going to take over everything one day. And I appreciate you being here. He was on the inside. But now, because of his bad attitude, he's on the outside. And the wicked son is on the inside. See, where should this older son be? He should be rejoicing with his family that this individual came back, but he did not want to forgive him. He was like the Pharisees. Jesus is telling this story saying, we want everybody to return. God loves everybody. And we say, yeah, God loves everybody, but I don't like that person. They offended me. This person hurt me. I'll never forgive them. I don't want them to come to church. I don't want uh, these people to uh, you know, be around me and rejecting. And that's why Jesus tells this story. Jesus loved telling these stories. One of the reasons I love this story so much is, because God wants us to be accepting. And years ago when we put this foyer in out front, one of the pictures is a picture of the prodigal. And you see this prodigal, he's not dressed very good. And he's bowed before his dad, empty-handed. And his father receives him back. And if you look out in the distance on that picture, you see a brother who's not very happy that his brother came back. And I hope when you come into church that you think, you know what, that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be reconcilers. He wants us to be accepting. He doesn't want us to be like the Pharisees. He doesn't want us to be like the older brother. He wants us to accept people. You see, God loves us so much, he accepts us right where we are. But God loves us too much to let us stay where we are. He wants to clean us up and change us and get us back on track. So I've titled my message today, Caring and Sharing. Because that's exactly what Jesus does here. He cares for everybody. He ate with the Pharisees and he ate with the sinners. He ate with the righteous or should say the self-righteous, and he ate with the unrighteous. See, God loves everybody. He cared for all of them. Someone said, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. These people drew near to Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Who do you like to spend time with? People that reject you or people that accept you? Who do you want to be around? People that stiff arm you, don't want to have anything to do with you? They criticize you or people that accept you? I think the only exception to this is high school. I don't know why. You know, as I looked around high school, I thought, you know, people will put up with all kind of stuff just so they can be around the popular crowd sometimes. You, you recall that? The different group position and positioning and jockeying for certain control and stuff. And I, I just want to say, I know most of our teens are over here, I really appreciate how accepting of you are as new teens come in, as people come in. I think you do an awesome job, and uh, I really respect you. You guys have qualities I don't think I had 
um, uh, developed as, as many of you do. So let, let's uh, just thank God for them. All right. Thank you, team. Appreciate it. You do a great job. Appreciate how you really seek to be caring. See, the Pharisees and scribes were murmuring because they didn't like the qualities of these publicans and sinners. And just maybe there are people that you really don't like that well. They have characteristics that really put you off. I just wrote down a few. It could be somebody's personality, their gender, their style of clothing, their ethnicity, their status, their sin, their politics, or whatever. And remember we saw this morning that Jesus cared for the religious and the unreligious. He cared for those that seemed like they had their act together, and he cared for those people who knew their lives were messed up. The idea of the prodigal, that word means wasteful, extravagant, or reckless. I mean, he used all of his funds up. And we learn how bad the prodigal was, but we also learn how bad the older brother was. I mean, if we were to look at those two brothers, you go to that family, they have these two brothers. The one was always obedient to his father. He did what he was supposed to do. He's running his dad's business. He's there day in and day out. When his brother left, he stayed there. And then we see a brother that lived a wasteful life. And we go into that family. Which one are we going to really befriend? Which one are we going to say, man, I really appreciate you doing such a great job. And Jesus tells these three stories to say, I care about both. And the reality is both of them have a problem. Remember, when the prodigal came home, the father went after him. He ran after him. It wasn't something common in the day for a father to run. And he went running after his son. And when the older brother was peeking through the window and he realized it, he went after that brother as well. You see, he went after everybody because everybody matters to God. Now, I don't know about you. I can understand the older brother's perspective, can't you? He was responsible. His brother basically said, Dad, I wish you dead, and I'm just going to take the money and think of you as just like you're dead. And he went out and wasted it all. I mean, notice what it did. It disgraced the family name. It made it more difficult on the brother that was doing the right thing. He wasted all this money. And we could say he gets what he deserves, right? And that's what the Pharisees were doing. Those sinners, they're getting what they deserve. But we, we're good Jewish religious people. So Jesus tells these stories. He says to the older brother, I want you to come in so we can rejoice together. But he didn't care. Caring. And when all the people gathered together, the multitudes came to Jesus because they knew that he loved them. Jesus told stories. There also needs to be this sharing. 
he spake this parable unto them. Have you ever heard this phrase, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words? It was attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, and that's uh, largely debated, but often this verse, this uh, statement gets misquoted. And people say, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Let me say this, it is necessary to use words. It's not an if, it's when. And it's one thing to be caring, but we also must be sharing. In Romans 10 last week, it said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then it goes on, But how shall they hear without a preacher or somebody to give their testimony, somebody to share the message? We've got to take the message. We go in Christ's stead. That's what it means to be an ambassador. Remember, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. So let me wrap it up with these thoughts. It takes commitment. It takes your time. It takes your energy. It takes money. It takes sacrifice. If we are going to be God's representative to this world and be his ambassadors, we've got to be committed. Now, let me just share two things that happened last week. Last week, a family in our church went to Africa, to the country Cameroon. And they'd been there before, and they said there were a lot of people that need clothes. Could the church gather clothes together and just take it to young children. And I said, yes, if you'll do one thing, if we get gospel literature and when you're passing out those clothes, you'll also give them gospel literature. And he said, yeah, I will certainly do that. We found out that they speak French there. And so we ordered French gospel tracts that told these people that Jesus loved them and he died for them. And so over the next couple of weeks, people are going to be getting clothes. But they're going to get the greatest hope of all that Jesus loves them. Isn't that amazing? Yesterday, some of you got up early and went to a breakfast to care for people, some of the outsiders of our society, just because you wanted to demonstrate Christ's love. And I think it's an awesome ministry. And one thing we said, you know, we don't want to just feed their stomach. We want to feed their souls. And while we're providing that meal, we need to share with them that Jesus loves them. And this week and in the weeks to come, I just wrote down several things that we can do. This Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. I hope you'll spend time in prayer, and if you're in the area at the Stafford Courthouse, there'll be people gathering to pray. Pray for our country, pray for our churches, pray for our families, pray for our schools, pray for our military, pray for many different areas. It takes time, but God wants us to pray. Once a month on Saturdays, we have what we call MRI connections, where we get together and we write notes and make phone calls and sometimes even drop by 
and uh, visit somebody that uh, hadn't been in church for a while or maybe hadn't been able to come or something. We just want to pray with them, just want to share Christ's love. And that's kind of scary, those kind of things. But you know what? Just that simple phone call or that note or spending some time with somebody makes such a difference in their life. Maybe there's somebody that you've missed the last couple weeks. I'm, I'm pretty easy going, but I'll tell you one thing that bothers me is when people come, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in about six weeks. Do you know where they are? And I think, call them, right? Check on them yourself. And don't wait six weeks, right? <laughs> Check on them. See what's going on. Or the first time somebody visits, make sure you go up. A little statement we've said around here, take three minutes after church. Don't, don't talk to your best friend, but go take three minutes to talk to one person that you don't know. Remember that, Jeff? All right. You told me you liked that the first time we said that. By the way, it's this guy's last Sunday. All right. So uh, we're going to miss him. That's a, the negative of Northern Virginia, right? People move in and out. Where are you headed? Where? Germany. All right. Yes, yeah, headed to Germany. And then a couple weeks later, the uh, families live. So we will adopt your kids while they're gone if you would like. All right. So anything we can uh, do there. But make sure you let uh, him know you're going to miss him. And somebody's got to step up in the men's ministry to take his spot. All right. So that's a challenge for you guys here. But talk to somebody that you don't know. Make sure that people don't just walk in and walk out and they remain anonymous. Get to know them. Talk to them. Build a relationship. Yeah, it's a little bit scary. It requires commitment. You may not know what to say, but just do it. People appreciate that. Let me give you a couple more. Giving to missions. We have around 40 missionaries that our church supports. We send gifts to monthly. So they can share the gospel to countries around the world. I know nobody just has a surplus of, of money lying around. But you know in your regular giving, if you could just put some money aside or weekly pull out your purse or wallet and say, you know what, I can give an extra $20, I can give an extra $5, I can give some extra money so missionaries can take the gospel around the world. One of the Ladies that have been in our church, Stephanie Alderman, called me the other day. She's headed to Togo, Africa. It's where Aaron went last year. Her brother's on the mission field. And, and she said, I've got all the finances I need to be sustained while I'm there. But to get there, there's some gifts. And if Choice could help out with a special gift, I'd really appreciate it. And I just... I want to say this this morning, we're not um, deal, dealing with any uh, special offerings, I, I don't think. But let me just challenge you this week. When the offering plate is passed, would you take one of the offering envelopes out and just look at your funds and pull out some extra cash? I know most people don't carry a checkbook anymore, but you know there's a, a, a place you can text a special gift to or over the next couple weeks and just write Stephanie Alderman. It's what I did when I filled out. I give electronically, but I, I always look Sunday morning. I think, you know, God's blessed me. How can I give an extra gift this week? And so I 
made a gift out to missions like I normally do in addition to my regular missions. And then I made an additional gift out, and I just wrote Stephanie Alderman on the envelope. And what a blessing if she got several hundred or a thousand dollars or a couple thousand dollars from our church just to help her get into the field. A young single lady going to Togo, Africa to tell these people that Jesus loves them. Isn't that incredible? In the weeks to come, we'll have a special teen offering that we're collecting to help our teens. We're going to have a mission trip offering. There's always opportunities to give. And let me give you two more. One, there's a Christian businessman that came by my office uh, this week and sat down. And he loves the nation of Israel. And there is a seminar coming out up in a couple weeks. And if you're a Christian business person and you would like to know how Jewish Christians and Christians that are Arabic speaking in Israel how they can work together just like we're doing with fusion if you would like information I got some flyers for you and then here's the last thing that same Chris, uh, Christian businessman said I have some interns coming from Lithuania and they were going to stay and if you're familiar with the ministry team challenge that uh, they guys drop by here once every six weeks or so they were going to be staying with the ministry team challenge but something came up last minute they're flying in this week and there's two young men that are Christian believers but they're going to be here so they can go back so they can study and start businesses and build churches in Lithuania and they said he said if there's a family that would house two or two different families that would be interested in housing two young men it would be a great opportunity he said it's going to work out with somebody else no doubt but I just wanted to ask choice about it so I'm asking you if you have any interest in that uh, just see me this week okay Why would we do these things? Because God wants us to show we care. The world is looking for people that care. You know, they see the church, you know, we're against abortion, we're against homosexuality, we're against this or that. And they see us as the self-righteous Pharisees very often. And we need to change that picture and to demonstrate that we care for people. You see, God loves us so much, he accepts us right where we are, but God loves us too much to let us stay where we are, right? He wants to change people, but it starts with accepting people where they are. That's what it means for us to be God's representative. If we don't show we care, people will not listen, but if we do not share, people can't listen. So God wants us to care and share. Let's just bow our heads for a minute. Maybe there's a family member that you're struggling with. They need to know that you care. And we're not talking about accepting wrong behavior or putting up with wrong things. Just 
caring about people in spite of their actions. What a better community, what better families, what better society and workplace, the school environment, if people demonstrate that they care. We're ambassadors today. Dear Father, help us to leave this building today to take your message. May we care and may we share. Help us to be more like Jesus. who love the religious and love the outcast. Who love the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people. Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our heart some people or an individual that we can invite to church over the next couple weeks, that we can share our story with them. God, you've done so much in our life and in the busyness of life. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we fail to tell you and we fail to tell others. Lord, may we tell others. Empower us. May that river that we sang about earlier just flow out of our life and provide refreshment for those that are around us. Help us to love, help us to be kind to those that are unkind, to love those that are unlovely, to be accepting of those that are rejecting. Lord, may we be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand.